It's me, Cindy. Welcome to the love episode. Stop it. You know, when the fabulous cupcakes would sing Chapel of Love, I couldn't help but roll my eyes. I wanted to change the lyrics, but we were sticking to the girl group songs the way they were written. But I thought, what kind of message is that? Not even the part about how incredibly important and victorious it was that the woman in the song had landed a man, but that she seemed to believe all her troubles were behind her, that she'd be happy forever and never be lonely anymore. Hmm. More like maybe it'll work out and maybe it won't, but maybe that's a harder sell if you're looking for a hit record. You got to think about how much pressure we're under to find the perfect partner. Heck, to find any partner because I'll bet I'm not the only one who's witnessed people settling for less rather than being alone. What's wrong with being alone? Shouldn't we love us best? Shouldn't we enjoy our own company at least as much, if not more, than spending time with others, particularly others who aren't the most fun or any fun at all? It's one of those life lessons that not everybody learns ever, or at least early enough to save themselves a boatload of heartache and disappointment. I don't mean to be so negative. It's just that socially... Why are we still holding marriage up as the ultimate goal? My friend Kitty posted this on Facebook. She doesn't know who wrote it, but I got to read this to you because there's a lot of truth here. You ready? Okay, here you go. Can I tell you a secret? You don't have to be in a relationship. I mean it. I know they force it down your throat till you choke on it. People aren't lovable unless they're dating someone. But a relationship won't always make you happy. And as wonderful as romance is, it isn't the only love that exists. I've seen friendships that are deeper and more pure than couples who swear it's forever and then it isn't. I've heard, nobody loves me, out of the mouths of people who are single. And it kills me, because if you ask them, what about your family, your friends, your support system, your pets? They go, yeah, okay, but it doesn't count. Of course it counts. Love isn't less because it isn't romantic. In fact, doesn't it sort of make that love more real that they want nothing? not even a date out of you. It's pretty to be in love. It's magical, I'm sure. But it's also wonderful to impulsively stop for ice cream when you're out with friends or alone. And it's wonderful to go out into the world with a bunch of buddies really excited about learning or seeing something new or on a solo adventure that leads you to meet new people. The problem is we've made everything about finding the one, but maybe the one is you. Loving yourself, having fun, being happy. Maybe instead of looking for all our other halves, we should be piecing ourselves together. Maybe I wasn't born unfinished. Maybe I am the one who makes myself better. Don't you love that? I love that. And it's interesting and something to ponder and maybe pass on to your children or friends who are on that quest and maybe panic that they have never found the one. Remember the line in that Jerry Maguire movie, You Complete Me? Ugh. Life as a jigsaw puzzle, or until you find that missing person, you are essentially incomplete? I don't agree. Although everything, it seems, has tried to make sure that I do. We grow up with the idea that pairing off is the ultimate goal. It starts early. Even Disney movies have couples pairing off. You know, Cinderella, the prince, Sleeping Beauty, the prince. And that's the other thing. They're all pairing off with princes. Although, to be fair, they're trying to expand the message, giving the hero girls of Brave and Moana stories that end with them standing on their own two feet, completely happy and proud to be on their own. Yay. I'm not jaded. I'm just looking at the big picture. I know couples, a very, very few fortunate couples, who are exactly what you think couples should be. 
at least they appear to be, close, deeply in love, well-matched, in sync. They complement each other. They set the bar to a sometimes unattainable high for those around them. But I'm happy for them. Of course, I'm just as happy for those who get to be their true, complete selves in their own lives, who don't have to compromise their wants. People who have to work so hard at making the relationship work and who sometimes suffer the agonies of trying to fit into something that doesn't really fit them. Since all the stores are all red and pinked out with hearts and flowers and candy in honor of Valentine's Day, I say we celebrate who we are, not as part of a greater unit, but as our own individual selves. Even if you're in a relationship, how about things to do to celebrate a holiday that celebrates love because you love yourself? How about do something for yourself you ordinarily wouldn't do? Yeah, I'm a big fan. Indulge. Spend longer than normal moseying around TJ Maxx. Find a particularly beautiful place. Bring along something delicious to sip, something good to read, or just stare out at this beautiful view until you let out the most perfectly contented sigh. Oh, this is great, unless you hate baths. Get a giant $5 bag of Dr. Teal's lavender bath salts and have a long soak. If your tub is big enough, the salts will actually help you float, which bumps it up to a new level of self-indulgence. Or go into any store and buy yourself a heart-shaped box of chocolates, because that's my favorite thing about Valentine's Day. That and the day after Valentine's Day, another holiday to celebrate when chocolate lovers find those same heart-shaped boxes at half off. By the way, if you do wander into a CVS, take a second to appreciate what they have just started doing or what they've started not doing. Not only are they the first drugstore to stop selling tobacco products after recognizing the disconnect between cigarettes in the front of the store and health products in the back of the store, but they're taking another bold step forward. They've just rolled out the first wave of their unaltered beauty ads in stores. Maybe they realize the deception at play and that no amount of eyeshadow and concealer is ever going to make us look quite like the perfectly photoshopped models gazing at us while we shop. For now, the display ads for Neutrogena, CoverGirl, and Revlon are basically untouched photos that no longer hold us to unattainably perfect body shapes, sizes, skin tone, eye color, facial features. Now we can shop alongside photos of women who, like us, are here and there what was traditionally deemed to be imperfect. Pressure's off, at least while we're inside a CVS. Anyway, back to doing something special for yourself to celebrate Valentine's Day. This list could go on forever, but you get the idea. Have some fun with it. Even beyond just for yourself. Make heart-shaped cookies to share at work. A heart-shaped meatloaf for dinner. I've done that. Cut the kids' sandwiches into little heart shapes for their lunches. I've done that, too. All hearts everywhere. That's what I say temporarily. Speaking of which, I'm going to take a red Sharpie and give myself that tiny little heart tattoo that I know I would get tired of if it was permanent. When I was a kid, we'd all bring a shoebox into school the beginning of the week. We'd assault it with red construction paper and doilies and markers and glitter and ribbons, whatever we could get our little paws on to decorate it to the hilt, then cut a slit in the top of the box just big enough to slide in a classroom full of little valentines. I loved making those boxes. It fed the romantic in me. And the most magical part of the day was after the cupcakes were devoured and the mailboxes stuffed full, I could go through opening and reading each one in search of hidden messages from any of the cute boys in class. Yeah, I was a born romantic. Maybe that's why I love this time of year when every business with a front door and a register is selling something to cash in on Valentine's Day. 
Aside from flowers and candy, TJ Maxx has heart-themed socks and kitchen towels. White Castle, you know, they add tablecloths for romantic dining. Even Dunkin' Donuts makes heart-shaped donuts. I live down the street from a Dunkin' Donuts. You'd think I would be their best customer because the scent of fresh-baked donuts greeting me as I walk out the door could be hard to resist. But it turns out that's not how it's gone. What I recently found out not only makes it clear why I'm not hightailing it over for a bag of munchkins, but wildly helpful in winning out over other junk food cravings as well. Here it is. The trick is to smell whatever junk food long enough that smelling it alone satisfies you. If you are exposed to the scent for under 30 seconds, your gimme-that drive is triggered. But if you can fight the urge for another minute and a half, you'll most likely find the drive to indulge passing. Is that fascinating? It seems that, and more claps for how our brains work, the longer exposure to the scent, two minutes or more, satisfies the reward circuitry in your brain, much like eating it would. So just taking in the scent long enough reduces the urge for the actual food. I believe that is what happened with Dunkin' Donuts. Now I'm willing to test it with Cinnabon or walking through the bakery department when Stop and Shop is in full tilt boogie baking mode. But if it's a fail, it only means I couldn't hold out for the full two minutes. When you think about it, letting aroma do the selling is smart marketing. That's why the bakeries are up in the front of the store when you go to a grocery store. Did you know that? Because then you're like, oh my God, give me some of that. Sort of like a free sample. Like all those little bites of things that get handed out at stores. I love that. Probably more than half the time I buy whatever it is I've just sampled, but maybe that's because I'm only sampling things that I might be interested in anyway. That's not rocket science. And wait, one more completely unrelated thing before I go, which has nothing to do with anything, but, you know, what the heck. Who decided it was time to update my iPad without asking me? Yeah, my Rebel iPad updated itself. I find updates can often gum up the works, slow them down, steal the will to live from the stupid battery, so I usually don't do them. Maybe somehow the iPad figured that out and got around it. Artificial intelligence trying to work its way around me? I don't like that. This time it's making me go through a bunch of settings before getting back to work. Enter a password. No! Don't you want a password? No! Are you sure? It's an argument we've had before, and I guess it just figures if it goes at me long enough, I'll cave. Well, I won't. And next, a new question from my iPad. Would I like a weekly report on screen time? Really, iPad? Are you asking me if I want to be informed about just how much time I spent on what apps? Do you really think that's a good idea? Like I need proof that Simon's cat continues to claw away at hours I could be doing something more productive, like making a heart-shaped meatloaf? No, thank you. Seriously, just get back to work. Well guess that goes for me too. I'll talk to you later.